I'm Sheldon Kennedy, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast, Bring the Sheldon Kennedy Show. <laughs> hey, Weaver, these episodes will feature hey. honest and open conversations with notable guests like Caitlin Weaver to share their stories, subject matter expertise, and insights on the many social issues we face today. This podcast is presented by Respect Group. Founded in 2004, Respect Group empowers people to recognize and prevent bullying, abuse, harassment, and discrimination through interactive online education. To date, over 1.6 million Canadians have been Respect certified in sport, schools, and the workplace. Now, I'm delighted to introduce Season 5, 2019 Battle of the Blades champ and my partner, Caitlin Weaver. And uh, a little bit of history for Caitlin. Caitlin reached the highest honor of figure skating and competed for Canada at the Olympic Games and thrice stood on the world podium with her longtime ice dance partner, Andrew Poget, who's a very good guy. Caitlin remains active in the professional skating world and uses her platform for advocacy while dividing her time between New York and Toronto. Post-competitive life finds this ambitious, creative, engaging in her skating community participating in and initiating global fundraisers and part-time coaching and choreography. In June 2021, Caitlin publicly came out as a queer woman, making her the second female Olympic figure skater in history to do so. And something that I have told Caitlin that I am so, so proud of her for, uh, for doing that. Now, I just want to welcome you, Caitlin. So good to see you. Thank you, Sally. Oh, I am just so (laughs) happy. I'm so happy to see you and talk to you. And it's a pleasure to be here. I'm also very excited that you have your own podcast. It's about time. Yeah. Yeah, right, eh? (laughs) The old uh, podcast. I need need Allie here to help me get the technology right and put my headset on. Okay, now just talk, Sheldon. Just talk. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you you can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, the old, uh, hey, you'll never win Battle of the Blades with just Twitter, Weaver. Remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Eh? And we did. I think think we did pretty damn good, Shelly. We told a good story. That's right. And we had fun. And we did good twizzles. We did good (laughs) twizzles. Who would have thunk, eh? I haven't seen too many other twizzles since, since 2019. Hey? Mm-hmm. What did you think when you first got paired up with the old guy? Oh, I was ecstatic. <laughs> I was I was so happy because I remember from the first tryout day, we just had the most fun together and we were the last ones on the ice. And it was a free-for-all. Everybody could skate with anybody. It was just like a kind of an open tryout. And you and I just kept finding each other and having a blast. And I was like, oh, I want to skate with that guy. And I think the I think everybody was a little surprised, but I was I was clear on who I wanted to skate with. And so I was very happy. It was awesome. I uh I never forget the time when when I got the phone call to actually participate in battle of the blades and i'm thinking to myself i can't even touch my toes i had a little bit of a farmer <laughs> belly on me and i'm thinking oh boy this is going to be some work to get going here and and uh that call from ron mclean but you know i i do remember the time when you came out and you the phone call and you said you introduced yourself as as uh 
my partner and mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't have been more proud to, at that time, I thought, uh, until your recent announcement, uh, Caitlin, but that Battle of the Blades was fun mm-hmm. and such an important journey. How, like, you, you came out of that, right? Out of professional skating and making the decision to go do something like that? Like, yeah, yeah. I just, um, Andrew and I had just stepped away from competitive skating in the spring and I got the call in the summer and it was the first decision um, that I made for myself. Yeah. you know, and not Caitlin and Andrew, the couple. And of course, Andrew was there of Natalie Spooner and I'm so happy that he was. Um, but it was something that I could make for myself and it just felt right, you know? And I think that in such a challenging time of you know, making transitions and, you know, ending one chapter and starting another, the only thing I had was kind of my intuition. And, um, and I was excited about it. I was excited about the people that were there and it still remains my favorite skating experience of all time. Like in all of my career in skating, that's my number one favorite experience with you, Shelly. (laughs) You're just the best. Nobody works harder. No one is, is kinder. And I just, um, I'm just so grateful for you in my life and I'm grateful for battle that we're able to to um, begin our long, long friendship there. Yeah. Well, thank you, Caitlin. It was, as you well know, um, the skating was one thing, which was a blessing, but I think there was mm-hmm. more go- more going on for both of us, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, on our personal journeys. Yeah. Uh, I know for me, for sure, and then probably for you, but it was... It probably. Was, it, <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, it was critical. And what an important journey. Like, frick, I never ever thought I'd ever have a chance to compete for something, right? Mm-hmm. Healthy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. not being, you know, mm-hmm. actually mm-hmm. being fit and emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, and you were um, prepared and excited about the preparation. I remember you telling me that you've never been that physically prepared for anything in your life. Yeah. And that was special, you know, to see how dedicated you were. And I remember the other players, particularly particularly the men, were, were um, kind of chirping you about it Shelly remember they were like oh look at look at Kennedy stretching out his wrist like warming up his quads and they were and and you were just like so unfazed and you were committed to you know being prepared for this and looks like uh you know well I think uh the proof was in the pudding (laughs) hey you know what when you when you're 50 you have to stretch or you're not going to get through it that's one that's right. thing I learned as I got older is like stretching, like it just, yeah, you, you get tight quicks, but yeah. Well, and I also just remember our walks before practice, after practice, and we would just like be able to open up in a safe place. And that was something I'm so grateful for too. And I remember that walk in particular, um, we were outside of UCC in Toronto, I think. And I had just, Oh, was it St. Mike's? I can't remember. Anywho. Um, and, uh, we were on a walk and I just had, had like gotten up to my ears, you know, in stress and worry and so much of revolving around my personal life. And I just had to let go and you were my safe space. And I remember when I came out to you and I was like, Shelly, I, you know, don't know how to tell you this. It was, it was such an unpracticed conversation for me and you were there with open arms. And then I think that really 
bonded us for me, at least from my point of view, I just felt so bonded to you. And I think that really helped too. you know, we were, we were partners. Yeah. Well, and it, and this is not about perfect, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm-hmm. none, of, none of anything that I had. And I remember the fear I had of, you know, just telling anybody about, you know, what was going on in my life and, what I guess what I've learned over 23 years is none of these conversations are, you know, nothing is perfect. It's just about being honest and, and, you know, feeling safe enough to be honest and, you know, taking that risk. And that's, you know, what you did. And, and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we had a, we had a, and I think was critical, like, you know, I think was so important to, Mm -hmm. to our journey, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was kind of our thing and we did our, mm-hmm. our chats and, and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, no, that was fun. Caitlin, I, yeah, uh, that was. I won't ever forget about that. And I remember that, I remember the freaking gong show when we were trying to get, I'm still standing song cleared. <laughs> that wasn't, oh, that was an adventure. That was unreal. And people don't realize like how tough was it to get music cleared? Like that was probably the toughest part of the show. Absolutely. And, and you're like awesome at music and I'm like I know about five songs right like not as good as I once was but I'm as good once as I ever was Never how about was. that one Kate oh well I don't maybe we'll find another one well maybe okay so you like country okay yeah. well I remember when I went out to Calgary to meet you ahead of time because I didn't want Monday morning to be our first ever time meeting and then all of a sudden we're skating together yeah. well I mean we had met on, on the trial but just I wanted to kind of like you know, become a team. And and we listened to music, I think for three days straight. And that's where we heard Jolene. And that's where we heard, I got an idea of who you were. And, and that was such a, you know, important part strategically to be able to help tell your story, but also, you know, just even with our friendship, we were able to really get to know each other in like a low stress, you know, easygoing, fun atmosphere. Um, So that, that I think changed things too. Well, and how important to include family. Jenny was in there mm-hmm. picking songs, eh? Yeah. Jenny. <laughs> He's got great taste in music. Yeah. We, He's got we good taste, time. eh? Oh, yeah. That's yeah. for sure. Well, and little Lockie. Little, yeah. little Lockie's music, eh? The little, little, yeah. the little gaffer. I oh couldn't my believe gosh. he. Yeah. Mr. Cleaner. He loved his cleaning. <laughs> Remember, Remember him? Yeah, of course I do. Um, he would point at the vacuums and he'd be like <laughs> wanting to go wherever like the vacuums were. And I remember his every week because Jenny would bring Lockie every week um, to the show. He would have different costumes depending on what we were doing. So he either had something matching yours. He had a Halloween costume. He had something that was always like relevant to our music that week um and i just thought that was hysterical so i it was a family affair and proud of it like just so much fun it was fun now what do you uh caitlin you're doing lots of work now now that we're through kind of covid and talk to us a little bit about like you know i know you've got you're doing a little bit of coaching you're doing some choreography you're you're created a charity mm-hmm. like i want to i want to learn a little bit about that stuff i know a little okay. bit about it but yeah so 
I guess involving skating, um, you know, Andrew and I were doing shows right up until the last second of the pen, you know, once the pandemic started, um, we were still, you know, in only less than a year out of, um, stepping away from the competitive scene. And so we were just very active. And so once the pandemic started, it was just like, Oh, we're, we're not doing that anymore. Uh, and that didn't feel that different from competition. And I want to stress that because, you know, we were a year out of competition, but we were still doing what we were used to doing. Um, you know, we're still skating together. We're still traveling. We're still doing shows. I'm still involved in skating. And so, um, when the pandemic hit and everything stopped, it was a big wake up call because I didn't have anything that was familiar to fall back on. Um, I had just moved to New York city and everything just felt new, everything. Mm -hmm. And so once the pandemic really was, as we all understood it, a serious thing, I, you know, considered what I was going to do about it. You know, I just feel like I couldn't sit on my couch and I just didn't know how I would be involved until open ice started. And, um, open ice is, initially was a online fundraiser, um, on YouTube featuring 60 of figure skating's biggest stars. A lot of people that you would recognize Sheldon. And, uh, we came together and it was just like, I was hosting and it was like a revolving door of who's who in skating. Uh, and we raised over $60,000 to the UN foundation, um, in their COVID-19 solidarity response fund. And I, I chose that charity because it was global our cast was global. I wanted to unite the global skating community to be a benefit. And um, skating, unlike a team sport, you know, we're very individual. We are very much each man for himself. And I just, I don't know if I was like meant to be on a team. I was like, you know, I, I have this, I love being around people. I love, you know, bringing people together. And that's what we did. And I think that's what we have the opportunity to do and, you know, do a little good in the world. And so once that was over though, I was just like, Oh, well, what am I going to do now? What is open ice going to be now? And it kind of got this, it garnered this um, attention because it was quite successful. And so then I just started dreaming and, you know, if skating and doing shows was out of the question, yeah, what was going to be the next thing? You know, what if there are never any shows that someone wants to invite Weaver Poget to, what am I going to do? And, um, and so, um, the dream is starting to come into reality in a new way. Um, and that's by creating these, uh, production pieces. So these films that highlight people in the figure skating community that are changing their world for the better and using that to fundraise and help initiatives in the field. And so the open ice collective, which is now in the States a 501 C three, um, recognized charity. The goal of that is to help shift the ecosystem of figure skating to bring people together, connect, share, and spread awareness for initiatives that are on the ground and making skating more inclusive, safer, a better place for all and something that everyone can enjoy safely. So that's what the goal is with open ice now. And I'm, I'm ready to premiere my first film project, July 3rd, which is very exciting. And I think the sky is the limit. I I think skating has a lot of room to grow to be a place where everyone can enjoy it to the extent that some of us do. And, um, and I want to be a part of the, the efforts to make that a reality.
And good for you, Caitlin. I mean, that's, you know, to actually have a dream and to then to be able to actually make it a reality is huge. And we've talked about that lots and, you know, there's lots of great ideas out there and they never, they never happen because they never get done. So, and I, and I was, and I did log on for your open ice, the first open ice, and it was awesome. And just the conversations and it's unreal how many like-minded individuals are in the community and, you know, what a platform you created, but like if you look at the skating world and my my family grew up in the skating world my sister is a figure skater she spent her whole life with her partner uh in europe uh as a skating partner so my mom was involved so you know i i was a, i knew a little bit about you know the skating world and i guess like what what would you see would be the best thing that skating could do or to shift the culture or to make those changes uh, possible within, within the skating world to become better in the areas of, you know, inclusivity and diversity and, you know, uh, and, and to grow the sport. Um, you know, a lot of things come to mind when I, think of how skating can be better. Um, but you said it, I think inclusivity is number one and, uh, to be inclusive, I think the sport has to be equitable and it has, and it has to show diversity. And, you know, I think it comes in that order, equity, diversity, and then inclusion, you know, it's, it's understanding who's missing, um, then being able to figure out how to bring those people together. And then it will be shown as an inclusive, you know, it will read as an inclusive place. But I think skating in the world's eye right now is mostly white. It's mostly heterosexual and it's mostly elite, you know, something that's expensive and, you know, somewhat out of reach. And I just don't think that's the best route for skating. I think that it's too beautiful and, and um, liberating of a sport to, to ever be that. Like, I don't think anything should ever be that, you know, so narrow. Um, and the stories that we tell are also equally equally narrow. And I just, I just want to show that everybody belongs on the ice, every body, um, every type, every gender, every race, every sexual orientation, every, everybody belongs on the ice. And, um, and that's just not a reality necessarily. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for that. And for example, I'm a part of the Skate Canada EDI working group, and we're trying to figure out how, why that is. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but, um, you know, I think that affordability is huge access, um, and visibility, you know, for minorities that are, minorities that are visible and invisible. I think that that's really important. So skating is such a beautiful place, um, but I think it can only get better if we allow more people to feel safe and invited. We do so. We do a lot of work with Skate Canada Respect mm-hmm. Group, and I I know that there's a a committed effort. And I think mm-hmm. you know I I've done a lot of work on trying to understand systemic. Mm-hmm. Right. What is systemic? Like what really is systemic? I mean, systemic is not a individual. It's just the way a system has been built. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think mm-hmm. being able to shift that, I think, takes mm-hmm. time. And that's basically I think that's what I'm hearing you say is that, mm-hmm. you know, we really need a culture shift. We need a systemic mm-hmm. shift in mm-hmm. the way that we go about the skating. And I think, you know, looking at, you know, understanding you, Caitlin, and you know, uh, and how many others, how many others are, you know, 
fearful to be yeah. who they are or to come forward with anything that's gone on with yeah. them. I mean, you know, think of that. Like, you know, what yeah. what would have been the difference for you in an inclusive uh, world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm identified as a queer woman. So part of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, the work that Skate Canada is doing right now, I think is primarily to be vocally and clearly anti-racist. So I think that is the number one priority. But for me, um, I just felt alone. You know, I just felt that there was no one like me. And because of that, and because of, um, you know, how I was brought up, I, I didn't think it was right. Mm -hmm. There was no one that I could look up to and say, Oh, that person's like me, you know, and that's what kids do. That's what we do. We look above us and see what's possible. You know, what's the age old adage? Like if you can't, kids can't, kids can only be what they see. If you can't see it, you can't be it. And, and so there was just, I think something holding me back because of lack of visibility and there by no means are there not queer women in skating. (laughs) You know, I just, I think it says something that there's none that feel safe to come out. There's only a handful of us now, um, in the world, in history. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I liken it to, a guy coming out on a football team, you know, it's just, you just don't see it that much. So I I think that has a lot to do with how we're judged, how we're seen, um, you know, what is the classic feminine way to be? And people don't even think that being queer, you can be queer and feminine, you know, you can be both of those things and, and, or none of those things and that's okay. And that, you know, your sexuality really has nothing to do with how you present. But for me, I think it would have made a difference to know that there's people like me in the world. And, um, and then I maybe I, I would have had a little bit of understanding for myself and for my process and my journey and maybe would have gone a little bit quicker. <laughs> Took a while. but Well, and what a position you're in to help those, um, you know, that are going to be coming. Be, you're going to be that person, Caitlin, that you know, that you never had of that individual that could, you know, that people can look up to you. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that was a big motivating factor, you know, for me, like kind of making the, making the decision to be visible um, and to come out um, was just that how many years I can look back thinking that I was alone and I just don't want anybody to feel like that. You know. Well, and, and the fear and the struggles and the confusion and the mm-hmm. self-doubt and the internal struggle is real. I mean, I can relate not not um, particularly to what you were struggling with, Caitlin, but I can mm-hmm. relate to, you know, to having, you know, a life-changing uh, secret in my mm-hmm. in my in my life. And, uh, mm-hmm. and the impact's real. It impacts people. And, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the things that, you know, you struggled with that, you know, those young kids might be able to identify with of, mm-hmm. you know, being in, being in your position and being in the public eye. Right. Yeah. And yeah. You're trying well, to tell a love story of yeah. man, woman, and oh my yeah. God, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> well, first Sheldon, I just, you know, 
want to thank you for your bravery and courage and commitment to making a difference. And by telling your story, how many impact, how many lives you've impacted, including mine very much. So, um, after you came into my life and we were able to talk about these things, there's absolute parallels and you made a huge impact on me. And, um, I remember one of my favorite Sheldon quotes is that, um, and please like correct me <laughs> if this is wrong but it was so, it was something like you know there's never the right time to have a conversation you have to make it the right time it's never going to be perfect um but you just got to do it and that has been a game changer for me you know waiting for the right time waiting for the whatever and you said you know you're going to be waiting forever so um but you know i i guess for me i was a little bit of a late bloomer only because I was just so dedicated to my sport. I didn't have time for anything else. And that was by design, you know, and that was okay. It was like a choice that I made that I felt fine about. But then as I got older, you know, I just just started to feel different things that I didn't recognize and understand. And I didn't really feel like I had anybody to talk to. And, and this is something I chatted about with Anastasia Busis for the CBC is that I had, I had and have a very loving you know, respectful partnership with Andrew, my, my ice dance partner. And, um, I, I wanted to be clear and still do that, that chemistry and that care for each other is real. And that never was something that I ever felt like I had to play. Um, and I'm just so grateful for him in my life and for the support that he's given me always. Um, but that's what also is confusing about things is trying to figure out where, you know, I was on the spectrum and that was just like something I pushed back. You know, I like don't want to deal with that because it feels confusing. So I'm just going to focus on trying to be the world's best ice dancer. And that's easy. That's I can compare myself and find my, you know, win or lose boundary. And then I can just make my way forward and I'll leave the rest for later. And so, you know, I think that probably having someone that you can talk to safely, you know, taking care of your mental health, that makes a huge difference, especially for people who identify as queer. We have a much higher rate of depression, anxiety, and suicidality as, as youth and moving forward, you know, like starting young. And so I think that that's really of the most priority. And I know that you are a huge mental health advocate, but I, I really think it comes down to, not seeing anyone in my position doing all of these things. And, um, you know, I didn't know that I would be the first, but when I, I remember reading a book by Shonda Rhimes, um, who was the writer producer of Grey's Anatomy, like a lot of ABC, like hugely successful shows. And she's a black woman and one of the first, I think, black producer writers. Um, and she writes about, this thing that she felt was important is that she was the first or the only or different than those who had come before her FOD she calls it in her book. And, um, and I read those words years and years ago and, and I read first only different. And I was like, Oh, is this going to be me? Is this going to be what my thing is? And, you know, when you know, you know, I just knew that this yeah. was going to be what I needed to do. This is going to be my process, well, you know, despite how much I wanted to hide from it. I just knew like, you, you can't run from that. And this is what I needed to keep, kind of show up dismissing for it. Yeah. I, yeah. Like dismissing the fact that it is real or it could be real or, you know, maybe 
yeah. I, I, you know, and I think one we we were chatting earlier, Caitlin, and I just I just thought it was really important, and I think it's important for for those people that are listening is that, you know, I get this lots where people feel that they've disclosed, you know, they're they're hurt, uh, however they've been hurt, and mm-hmm. and that you know it's all over. Right. It's mm-hmm. life's going to be roses from from here on in. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. my experience has been that, uh, you know, it is a critical first step step to start mm-hmm. started me on a path of trying to get to a place of acceptance and mm-hmm. try to get to a place of uh, of healing. And but mm-hmm. I found that, you know, like that's going to be a journey. And most of the time mm-hmm. it's a lifelong journey. And mm-hmm. and but there is a way out. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you, you, you spoke about that really well on, you know, what, what mm-hmm. your experience was after, you know, just when you made your disclosure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, first, I think, you know, for a really long time, I didn't even think that that day was ever going to come. I didn't think that that would be something that I chose to do um, just because it seemed like a mountain I couldn't climb, you know, and I didn't want to lose people and things along the way. It was not something I was willing to risk. Um, if that makes sense. And, you know, I think you can only do that for so long. And um, it was coming to the time where I couldn't hold those secrets anymore. And I couldn't be dishonest to people that I love, and people that I care about. And even those I don't care about, I just like I've been taught that, you know, the truth shall set you free. And like, you know, you, you are an honest and loving person, and that will take you far. And so I just felt like that dishonesty was, was weighing on me so much. Um, and so I, you know, was making the decision to come out and it was scary, but I just kept putting one foot in front of the other and just knowing that I needed to do this for myself and for others and for my sport. And then it happened. And, and I've been hearing even from people in the LGBTQ plus community, like, Oh, you know, you're going to feel so much better after, or like, give it maybe a day, like it's going to be overwhelming, but don't you feel better? How do you feel? And, uh, you know, maybe the first, well, let me first say that the overwhelming amount of support that I received was something I never could have imagined. I I was expecting like, you know, definitely some probably surprise and some excitement, but I did not expect to that degree of pure, love. Um, and that really like makes me emotional. But then even a couple days later, I was like, I still kind of feel the same. You know, I didn't feel like this crossing the bridge and now you're on the other side of this like beautiful place. It felt like, no, you know what, this is just a step in my journey. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's my journey and all of these wonderful people that that support me is an amazing thing. And it's a big day because they haven't been there for every single step. So it feels like a big shift in the public, Yeah. but you know, I'm going to wake up every day and keep putting one foot in front of the other. And um, that's the, that's the really important part. And I feel like, and you know, we chatted about this earlier is that, you know, that was a big step for sure, but that will continue to just keep paying off now as I move forward in the world as a more true and authentic version of myself. And that feels good, you know, not yeah. having to feel like I have to answer questions secretly or like what you said, you feel like you've got something that someone might find out and what if, and what are they going to say or what is so-and-so going to say? And now it just feels like, Hey, I've got my people. And if people don't support this, then I know you know, they maybe weren't mine to begin to, to begin with. Well, and I think Caitlin, it, 
it like it gives it gives one permission to to start moving forward right on who you truly are and i think that's that's what that's what disclosure is 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 acknowledging it's it's you know we're giving ourselves permission we're not alone anymore right we know that there's going to be some people that don't get it and might take a while to that are going to question and and it just you know, that's okay. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then there's going to be some that really embrace us and they're like over the top. And then there's going to be some that are just people that are in our life that are steady Eddie's or steady Jane's, right. That Mm -hmm. are just going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. those people Mm -hmm. that, you know, just help us as we go. And just, Mm -hmm. you know, and I find that, you know, my life was this, my life was up and down, up and down. And I find that, you know, my whole mission is to try to try to get lower, like try to keep those hills rolling hills or you know, yep. mild prairie rises, yeah. <laughs> not peaks, like not mountaintops and valleys. Yeah. And that's been so like what I think like you have you've had to have found some tools or some little things that in your life that you kind of maybe try to do on a daily mm-hmm. basis to set yourself up for success mm-hmm. or to, to maybe mm-hmm. try to manage, you know, any of the negativity or your mindset, your mental wellness. Like, can you maybe mm-hmm. share with us some of those things that you yeah were? Well, to be, to be totally honest, I'm still kind of finding what those things yeah. are. Um, and especially as someone moving out of competitive sport, yeah. you know, my life has changed in every single way. So, you know, I no longer judge my day based on my output at the rink. I no longer have the same type of intensity with taking care of myself because I had to, because I had to win a gold medal. Now it's just like, take care of yourself or you don't. It doesn't matter to anybody but you. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you're not being graded anymore. So I'm still trying to find that like balance for myself. Um, But I, but overwhelming number one is um, having someone to talk to therapy was number one. And there was a huge shift in my life from when I was trying to fight these battles by myself because I wanted to, and they're my, you know, it's my cross to bear and that I'll get through this. And then understanding that I need someone to, you know, professional to talk to, and that's okay. Good times are bad. I think everybody needs someone to feel safe around and be able to, you know, just, uh, you know, not be a, not have a bias, you know, it's just, it's just different having a, you know, a real licensed therapist in your life. And then now I'm trying to figure out, you know, what even being active means to me. And I go and do workout, not as something that I dread and have to do, but as a form of self-love because my body feels good when it's working. And, you know, then there's taking a walk. And, and the other thing I think that maybe, I don't know if you'll relate to, but it's finding your community of people that have been through something similar to you. And that was, that was a big one is being able for me personally to build a community of LGBTQ plus people, especially queer women that I can talk to. And it just feels like I let a guard down almost inadvertently. It just happens being, you know, knowing that you're around people that understand you and that's, you know, no matter what the case of, you know, what makes you, you or what you've been through, but being around like-minded people or just even sitting amongst people that know kind of what you've been through, I think is really powerful. 
And then uh, the other thing that really inspires me and helps keep me moving forward is um, just considering my role in the sport and how I will give back, you know, how I can make this path a little bit easier for those following. And, um, and that makes me, you know, that makes me continue on my journey of taking care of myself and making sure that I do the right things because that's important for those who are, you know, following in the footsteps. Well, there's no doubt, Caitlin, you are going to have an impact. You already have. <clears throat> and, you <laughs> Thanks, know, Sally. I saw firsthand and it was, it was unreal how many fans that you, you and Andrew and you have around the world. Like people mm-hmm. flew over from, where'd they come from? Germany? Germany, Japan. Yeah. yeah. They came over just to watch the Battle of the Blades. Yep. That <sighs> was thinking to myself. <laughs> Y'all saw not. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that's funny. You know, I do, I do interviews. I've done a lot of, um, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. I do a lot of, uh, interview style seminar things, even over zoom, obviously through the last year, because the skating community is unable to meet, you know, at the rink and all the kids want to know about battle of the blades during the Q and a afterwards. (laughs) They all want to know all the things about battle. And so I just, I feel so good that, that, um, you know, that telling our stories and, and being with you and, um, you know, working so hard at that really made an impact for people. What, what was their favorite? What was their favorite? You know, I get a lot of people that say the very first one. Oh yeah. Wake yeah. me up was the first was, uh, was a big one for them. And I think it's because, you know, it told, it really told the story and, and we were able to really pack in, I think all of who you are and what, you know, we were, kind of there to represent and you know show hope and um i think that that really was a full a full package of what we were there for well i know that the gift that you that you gave me at the end and and it was their little the writing and it must have been when you came to meet me or either on the plane or whatever but it was compassion love empathy trust hope and mm-hmm. all those those words, right? And that's basically mm-hmm. what it was. And that's what I felt that, you know, our journey was, was to tell that story. And it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That was fun, eh? Who would have thought? Mm-hmm. Like, I would have never in my life, <laughs> ever in my life, Weaver, thought that I, at 50, would have had a chance to do that, like to actually go and skate. And, you know, and I've always thought about it because my sister was a figure skater and they'd always, Oh, you need to do that. And I'm like, nah, frick, you know, they won't want me on there, but it was just, it was such a gift. And, you know, and I can't thank you enough for that, Caitlin, because it was, I'm not sure if others, you know, and there was great people on there and, you know, great people, but I just Mm -hmm. don't know if, you know, um, people would have understood how important that journey was for me on a personal level um, for many mm-hmm. reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I know you, you understood that and, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and I thank you for you and Julie, Julie Marcotte, Team Toro. Julie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Julie, Julie. Hey. And uh, we had fun, boy. I'll tell you, I'll never, oh, remember dance, God. remember dancing with the, with the, who were the two, the two ladies in the, in, at the, at the breakfast place there in the hotel. At the, what were oh, their names? One uh, King West. Oh gosh, I can't um, remember. But geez, we used to. We had them oh, dancing. Uh, you, no matter <laughs> where you went, Charlie, I'll never forget this. Um, and this is something that I also pass on to people. Anybody who I like talk to is that you knew everybody's name. <laughs> 
that contributed to this, you know, this experience. And every Zamboni driver, every worker in the rink, every hotel person, everybody, you knew their name. And that's what you do, Shelly, is that you make people feel seen and appreciated for the work that they do because they should and they deserve that. But you're the one that's going the extra mile and doing it. And it's just such an inspiring way to go through this life and um you know you make an impact like on everybody that you come and come across you know yeah well thanks caitlin i um you know it's interesting and i just you know i kind of want to just kind of maybe end on on this we'll talk a little bit more to kind of wrap it up but on this Mm -hmm. you know just to kind of show the impact that you'll have like if you look at what we (laughs) you know like just with the, the story and we had, you know, there was a chauffeur that drove us around in the van mm-hmm. and I got back and I got home and mm-hmm. I had a letter mm-hmm. and I had a letter in my, I got a letter sent to me and I started reading the letter mm-hmm. and it was a whole letter of that individual's um, mm-hmm. experience uh, as mm-hmm. a child and how she, mm-hmm. uh, he was uh, abused and, um, mm-hmm and how it impacted them and how mm-hmm. when you and I were there, the couple that they wanted to pick up because it was like, and so, you know, you just never know. Mm-hmm. You just never know mm-hmm. who you're going to touch um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when you acknowledge and just make them present. But I mean, you know, we, we just, I remember we gave every one of our drivers a book Right. Mm-hmm. As a little That's thank right. you and a gift. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that disclosure just made my day because it was one of our special people and, mm-hmm. and uh, who they all were special. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think Caitlin, you know, as, as your friend, first and foremost, and um, mm-hmm. as somebody that's very proud of you for many reasons. And I, and I think one of the big things is Caitlin is that, you know, this isn't a rash decision. Like, you know, I've, yeah. I've been in your life for a short period of time, but I think a very meaningful period of time. Yeah. Um, and you've been thinking about this. You've, you've known this for a long time and you've processed it and processed it and processed it. And, you know, you've, you got to a point where you finally, you know, even though, and I was like this too, where there was a piece of my brain saying, it can't be true. It can't be true. It can't be true. It can't be true mm-hmm. that I mm-hmm. feel this way or that, you know, or mm-hmm. that I, I am this way or that, you know, mm-hmm. this is impacting me this way. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I know you came to the point in your life where you needed to disclose because of a well thought out process. And it may not have been the healthiest process. It was probably a difficult process. Mm -hmm. It was, but it was the process. Mm -hmm. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and that is why I think you're going to have huge impact in this area to grow, not just figure skating, but in, in many areas and many individuals, Caitlin, because, you know, this is, this is something that you know very well. And I would always downplay what I know about it, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, I've never studied anything in my life more than I studied, you know, feeling Mm -hmm. alone, uh, Mm -hmm. all the mental, uh, mental health aspects that come with struggling with any type Mm -hmm. of identity or Mm -hmm. feeling. And, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and I feel that, you know, you know, this very well. 
you know this very well, and you're going to have a huge impact in changing not just the skating world, but all sport moving forward. And and thank, thank you for you. that, Caitlin. Thank you very much. Oh, gosh. Uh, if I, you know, I don't, it feels special to hear it from you, Sheldon. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's so interesting because it's just been my like deep, dark secret for so long. And now to be sharing it feels big um but to hear how you feel like it can make an impact really makes me feel good thank you i uh you know i just think that you gotta just keep putting one foot in front of the other you know and just making little steps and finding your safe place and you know i i remember something also that you said um i know we're closing up soon but um is uh is that uh (laughs) you know empowering people to tell somebody yeah. you know, empowering people to, to feel safe enough to have the conversation. And that's kind of the first step, I guess, is, is just, you know, finding someone you feel safe with to well, talk and- about how you feel. And that's not something that's really normal in the competitive athlete world, you know, is, no. is showing that vulnerability, our favorite word, um, Isn't to it talk fun? about it, to talk about it. Yeah. Well, and how about your conversation with Buckasis? <laughs> Anastasia Hashtag vulnerability. Uh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. awesome. Thank you. I thought that <laughs> I thought that the two of you, like your conversation, was perfect. I, I said that. I just thought it was just a real conversation between two individuals that could relate to one another, had compassion for one another, mm-hmm. and and I think that it it was very clear. And I think that as we look at the issues, as we try to, as society tries to better understand, you know, queer or the LGBTQ plus uh, mm-hmm. communities and, and what mm-hmm. all that means, because, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to me, I think clarity and, and being mm-hmm. clear mm-hmm. In, in that space is going to be huge to educate those people that want to understand, but are fearful mm-hmm. of it because they don't even know what to start. And, yes. and some of it even confuses them. Yeah. Right. But they want yeah. to get there. Right. So yeah. I think, I think that's huge. Yeah. And that was a big, a, a huge asset. I'll, I will never be able to thank Anastasia for the enough for that, for the, as long as I live, um, giving me the space to talk about that in such a warm, unsafe um, place. Um, but she's a queer woman, you know, going through the uh, yeah. sporting world in such a powerful and impactful way um, and, and educating people along the way. And, and you know, just, just for the people listening, queer is just an umbrella term for the LGBTQ plus community. So it just means basically anything um, that's not, not straight. And uh, so that's that's where kind of where I feel safe. And that's what a lot of people say, you know, in, ten, in, in terms of kind of like avoiding labels, I guess. But, yeah. you know, everybody's entry point, whether it's talking about LGBTQ plus issues, whether it's talking about race, whether it's talking about trans issues, where it's talking about, you know, anything that's that's hard, you know, everyone's starting point is their starting point. And that's not, it's not something you can ever blame someone for and being kind of compassionate of that is really important. And I'm sure that you've kind of met these, these types of issues too head on, but then it's what you do next, you know, it's how then you educate yourself to move forward. And, and, um, and that's, that's an important thing for me is to understand that like, and even from myself to be compassionate, to take your time, to be patient, to finding the right way to move forward, I think is important. Caitlin, thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
Yeah. Thank you, Sheldon. Thank you very much. And, you know, I the old guy's advice, one of the things that I've realized after, I don't know, probably 10 years of trying to help everybody else and save everybody else was that I needed to take care of myself and, you know, that's put right. myself number one. And and that's, that's right. not selfish. It's it's that it helps. it helped me be the best I could for those I want to help. That's and right. I think that that's important. And, you mm-hmm. know, Caitlin, that our family loves you. Jenny. I love them. Lockie, <laughs> Sheldon, Ryan, you know, and we all mom. love you. And my mom, Shirley. Oh, my Shirley. gosh. Eh? Sherry. Sherry. Helping us do lifts out there. Frick. Oh, <laughs> my sister, that was Sherry, a game changer. Sherry. Oh, my gosh. Sherry was a game changer. That was our secret weapon, I think. Shout out, <laughs> Sherry. We love you. <laughs> Yeah, she's still in Poland, stuck there with <laughs> COVID, her and Slavo. But um, Caitlin, we're just, it's its an honor to have you and chat with you again. And just, just you know, we like I say, we couldn't be more proud of you. And, and you know, and Adriana, just, you know, just big hugs to her. And and uh, and I think you're coming here on Stars and Ice. That's right. I'll That's see, right. I'll and we got tickets. Soon. We got well, tickets. And Sheldon, um, I remember when when we were talking about this a while ago and you said, oh, well, maybe we can have a conversation and, you know, when you're ready to talk about this. And it was just so far away. And I just appreciate, you know, in my in my journey. But now we're here and I just so appreciate your support and patience through this and always your friendship. Oh, you're welcome, Caitlin. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Well, with that, we are going to make a donation to <gasps> Open Ice. Woohoo! For, really? For, yep. So Allie will be will be in contact with you. We're gonna make a donation to to your charity for you uh coming on the podcast for us. Oh my gosh, I am elated. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank and you. then you're uh, making a difference. You're making a difference. Well all you, I mean you you always are, but now you're making yep. a difference in, in the figure skating world too in a major way thank you well you know it's we do a lot of work with skate canada i'll tell you you know that group wants to make a difference and i think they well we need to we need to skating needs to be better and um so they're doing the right thing respect group is is the way and so thank you for all you do yeah we work in a specific area but there's lots that we can be we getting better at so Mm -hmm. um so in my outro i need to read a little thing here caitlin that's a wrap That's funny. And I'd like to thank you for joining us, Caitlin, which I think I just did for the last 10 minutes. Be sure to be sure to subscribe to our show and your podcast app so we can stay connected. This show was made possible by Respect Group. And learn more about their work and vision, visit respectgroupinc.com. Thank you all for tuning in and thank you, Caitlin. Thanks, Sheldon. Thanks everybody. Big hugs. Big hugs.